Welcome to a healthy bite. You're one nibble closer to a more satisfying way of life, a healthier you, and bite-sized bits of healthy motivation. Now let's dig in on the dish with Rebecca Huff. Hey, it's Rebecca. I'm so happy that you're here today. I can't wait to introduce you to an author of a really adorable and sweet children's book. And that book is called Showdown at High Moon. And I think the story behind why the author decided to write this book is a really sweet story. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned for all of us. And so I'd like to introduce you to Tara Boyd. Um, she is the author of the book that we're going to be discussing today. Tara, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a mother of three. Um, two of my kids do have autism. Uh, we have been living in uh, Mount Olive, North Carolina for about three years. And this story kind of came along several, well, it's been in the making, I want to say maybe uh, 12 years it's been in the making. Um, it started long, long ago and um, finally got to the point where I was able to put everything together to share it with everyone. Oh, I, well, I love the story. Uh, I thought the book and the illustrations were super sweet. So can you tell me kind of the story that inspired the lullaby and the book? Sure. Um, well, when when we started our journey with Queen or when we started noticing, you know, things were different with her, we were in the throes of um, trying to support our son who um, he was just uh, diagnosed with autism at the time. And it was just um, it was a really rough time. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was a dark time. And um, my world was kind of crumbling around me. I had built up this world of what I wanted and how I wanted things to go. And um, then comes along my son who had been diagnosed with autism. And so we're really trying to just support him and do right by him. And then all of a sudden Queen, um, around two years old, you know, she just, she had been progressing normally and um, bubbly, happy little girl, very smart. You know, she was speaking and making, forming sentences and meeting all her milestones. She was ahead of her milestones. You know, some parents would even be in awe of her talking, you know, sometimes at the park because she was just so verbal all the time. And then all of a sudden around two, she really started having some serious issues with bedtime. And I mean, she just, uh, it wasn't like your typical temper tantrum. She was just genuinely terrified to be in her room. She was genuinely terrified at night at the, you know, at the darkness, there were things she would say she was seeing or hearing. Um, and for us, it was just, uh, we didn't know what to do. And at that time, the last thing we were thinking were autism. We were thinking, you know, this is just a phase. We just need to work through it with her. And so um, about a year in, I kind of got the message that, you know, my way and what I wanted and how I perceived her was not going to work. It wasn't working. And as a matter of fact, it was making everybody very miserable. And so what I had to do was just stop what I was doing um, and kind of listen to my gut, listen to, you know, God was, what, what God was saying to me. And that was to just slow down and take the time to interact with her and kind of push everything else off to the side and make her my priority. And so in that, you know, I just, there, there was a moment where I, I'll never forget this night. It was, I, I think we, I hadn't slept in maybe four days. You know, she was, her sleep schedule was way off. She was sleeping during the day because she wasn't sleeping at night. I was miserable. My husband was miserable. 
And so I was up, I think it was like one thirty. She's crying, you know, she had cried, sniffling, hiccuping, crying, snotting. And I just started singing to her because I was like, Lord, I don't know what else to do here. You know, I'm kind of at, at a loss. I, I have no idea what else to do with her. And so when I started singing, she just kind of calmed down. And from then on, that was what I did with her every night. And the next thing you know, you know, this is our song. It's the same song every night. She loved it. Um, she would sing it during the day. And my husband kept, you know, telling me, you know, you need to write that down. You need to write that down. And um, so I wrote it down. And then maybe eight years later, um, I decided I wanted to have it. Uh, I wanted to have someone put music notes to it. Mm-hmm. So I had it composed. Um, and then about a month or so after that, I went into the studio, recorded that. And then uh, here we are now. I want to say fast forwarding four years, you know, in the making to put the book together. Here we are with the book in the lullaby. So there was definitely a plan and everything. I just couldn't see it at the beginning. Oh, I, I like what you said about slowing down and just being present and giving her what she needed. So can you tell yep. me yeah. a, a little bit more about how you did that? Like if there's other parents listening who might be in your shoes, like in a similar situation, can you describe a little bit more about how you slowed down and became more responsive to her needs? Yeah. Well, in all honesty, I, you know, it, it was hard for me because I, I was struggling as a mom. I I felt like I was failing in all areas and I was also being pulled in a million different areas. You know, um, the church we went to work and um, interacting, being with family and things like that. Life in general was just kind of taken over me. And so I had, the first thing I did was I, I stopped and I thought about how disrespectful I was being to her. And that, that was hard. That was hard for me to kind of admit that. Um, that I was disrespecting her, kind of discarding her, pushing her to the side. I really just wanted her to comply, you know, just go to bed, go to bed so everybody can go to bed. Um, and so once I saw that, I I realized that I was sending her a really ugly message that you are not my priority. You know, I have other things that I want to do and I need you to comply. I need you to go to bed. And I didn't, that that hurt me, you know, thinking that I'm sending her such an ugly message you know, you're not my priority. I'm disrespecting her. And so the first thing I did was I started to prefer her above myself, meaning um, her needs, what she wanted, um, what she required in the moment took preference over what was going on in my brain, any projects that I wanted to do, anything I was just, you know, really rushing to get to, um, any sleep that I wanted. Uh, she became my priority and I just preferred her needs above mine. The second thing I did was um, I wanted to um, break away from the message that I had been sent when I was younger, which is that you're, you're not valuable. I wanted to send her a very clear message that she was valuable. Um, when I was younger, you know, there was no conversation. There was no, how are you feeling? It was, you know, go to bed, shut the door. Doesn't matter if you're scared. We're not going to work through this with you. You're just going to have to manage. And that kind of stirred up some some things, some bad emotional things for me that I had to work through. Um, and then I kind of uh, closed in on the picture that was going on in my mind, um, which is that I, I had a, what I saw in my mind was that I had a circle. And so in my circle 
were things like work, cleaning, projects I had, traveling, personal things, church. And then around that circle were my kids or my husband, you know, things that were really important. And so I had to prioritize things around my kids rather than prioritizing my kids around things. I had to move those things out of that circle and put those things on the outside. And so after I'm focusing on my kids, my, my child is the core, then comes everything else, you know, making sure that their needs are being met. And then the things that, you know, I want to do come after that. Um, and the last step is the one that I think might just be um, maybe the first step is admitting and then omitting. You know, you just have to admit, maybe you're not to the extreme like I was, you know, maybe it's just you want to make a better connection with your kid or you want to engage a little more, or maybe you are, maybe you're struggling and you hide it very well, but on the inside and at home, it's just really tough. Um, You just need to admit, you know, okay, the way I'm doing it isn't working and I need to omit some things from my life. Some things just have to come off of my plate. Wow. That is a lot of powerful advice. I love what you said about the circle and where things landed in that circle. And I, I, yeah. I can relate to that um, as a mother of six <laughs> children. I can definitely relate wow. to. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can see as you were saying that I could, I actually got cold chills and I was thinking about how, how often, and I actually just spoke with a friend of mine and I do this. And I think a lot of us moms, we sometimes get our priorities kind of reversed and it's yes. so refreshing to have someone kind of remind you because it can be so hard to abandon that need for perfection and not just perfection, yep. but to achieve and to produce and to be efficient and get things done. Um, right. Depending too on your personality type, if you're, you know, a type A personality and you, you thrive on getting things done, it can be really hard to abandon that yep. and slow down and give your kid your full attention. Um, so I think those tips are wonderful. Actually, it sounds like a workshop that some of us moms might <laughs> like to go to. Yeah. Um, but really, so when it came down to helping her overcome her bedtime fears and falling asleep, uh, you started mm-hmm. just being present with her, telling her stories, um, yes. singing her a lullaby. How quickly did she start to, how quickly did you start to notice a change? You know, that that took no time, being physically present with her, letting her know how concerned I was, um, setting a routine. And, and mind you, at this time, we still did not know that she was autistic. We were still just thinking, you know, something is really going on with her. But almost instantly, because really that's all it is with kids is attention. They love us. You know, we're their rock stars. So... But then when you add, you know, special needs into the mix, it just exacerbates everything. And so I want to say within the first three days, I mean, she just clung to that because in her world, you know, with autism, the world to them, they're prey and then they're in a world full of predators. You know, it's, it's just fear. They just want to feel safe because the way they see and hear everything is so drastically different from us. And so with her, as soon as she knew that I just restored her the balance back, you know, just restoring that security and letting her know that you're safe from whatever the heck she was scared of, you know, whether it was real or not, 
you know, just restoring that security in her, she very quickly got into that routine of, you know, falling asleep. Now, I will say um, it, it wasn't easy because there was still the back and forth of um, being up with her, but her behavior and, and kind of the out of control, loud screaming and sobbing and throwing herself on the floor, that ended almost instantly. And I think that was mostly driven by fear, you know, just fear that mm-hmm. they're not hearing me. They don't see me. They're not taking care of me. You know, I need something. I don't know how to say this. Um, but once I, you know, validated her, it, she was pretty easy to just kind of calm down. How did that feel for you? It was, it was amazing at first, but because there were so many layers, um, it, it was a short win. There was so much more going on there. And that's why it was so important for me um, to slow down because I was moving so fast and I was trying to meet such a high standard and there were so many outside influences going on that I wasn't, you know, I wanted her to, uh, I wanted to present her as this perfect child. I wanted, because she was so smart, she was moving so quick. I was like, yeah, I, I, I have this one child who has autism and I don't think this way anymore. So I, I don't want to offend anybody. I love my children who are autism and I show them to the world now. But initially, and especially being younger and ignorant, um, I was nervous having a child with autism, and I didn't want people to know, you know, I hid that. And so with Queen, um, as soon as I saw how smart she was and, and fast she was, you know, I was pushing her out there. Um, and so to see it kind of all deteriorate was very difficult. And um, But then making that little baby step, um, seeing that, you know, she finally found her security, made me feel a lot better. And then it kind of also broke my heart because I was thinking, man, you know, she wasn't feeling secure. You know, it was a good lesson for me not to do it again. And it also encouraged me to stay on track because I kind of had dropped the ball as her mom. You know, you never want you. One thing I know for me, I I never want my kid not to feel like um, they're valued or that they're safe. You know, that's a big deal. And so knowing that, you know, she felt safe and valuable, again, was really important to me. And I really fought, you know, to hold on to that with her. Mm. Well, I think it takes a lot of courage to say the things that you just said. I know, um, (laughs) I know that must have taken you a long time to get to that point where you, you know, one, recognized that, you know, that's how you were feeling and two, to overcome those feelings and then to admit them out loud. I mean, that, I just want to commend you on that because I think that takes a lot of courage. And I think, you know, a lot of us parents who have children on the spectrum, you know, maybe there's been times when we've had similar feelings and we probably either um, don't recognize them or we don't want to admit it. Right. Yes. And in all honesty, I can say, and, and because I've dealt with, I've dealt with women and 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 relationships that I've had, and they, and it's and it's honest. They don't recognize it sometimes. But mm-hmm. to be really very honest, I think we do recognize it, but we don't want to deal with it because that need for perfection and um, winning and meeting the standard is so high, and it, it is such a high demand. It takes a lot of work for us to kind of just cut out everything else and break it down to what is the core? You know, there's fear here. What am I afraid of? You know, 
I need to address that so that I don't continue to pass this on to my kids so that I kind of don't just run over them. Um, and for me, I really realized that I had let other people's standard, you know, that was the, what I was reaching for. That's the, what I was focused on was reaching their standard. And, you know, their standard wasn't work, working for me. As a matter of fact, it was kind of trying to uh, ruin my household. You know, I was in the driver's seat and I was going 100 miles an hour down the highway and there's going to be casualties when you're driving rec recklessly, you know. And so <laughs> mm -hmm. I had to really just say, okay, you're being a mean mommy. You're not being the best mommy you can be. And this it's because you're afraid. You're afraid that people are going to see in and judge you for not being perfect. And uh, it's terrifying, you know, especially when you're thinking about family members who have high expectations for you, people around you, church people, friends. Uh, there's a lot of pressure there. And so once I got to that point, and by no means have I, you know, perfected it, because then that will be saying I'm perfect. Perfection, that, that need for it always looms and it's always a fight for me. Um, but once I kind of realized the damage that it was doing and the damage I was doing, I was able it wasn't hard for me to abandon it as a matter of fact I ran from it because I just said you know this this cannot continue you know I can't just continue to mow my kids over and my husband and you know have things my way mm. yeah I I mean I'm I'm hearing you. it is definitely hard to abandon that feeling of you know striving perfection for perfection. But I think yes. um, you summed it up really well. And I, I do love, I think you've captured that in the book. And um, I think it just turned out really beautifully. So can you kind of give us oh, just a little you. synopsis of the storyline of the book? Sure. Um, so Queen, it, it's, it, it takes place basically, um, it really takes place in the in the house where all the drama went on. We're not there anymore. But uh, when I was working uh, with the artist, I, you know, I took all the pictures, the upstairs and everything um, specifically from uh, the house that we were in. Um, and it just kind of starts out with her and her. And, and what I did was really try to capture the attitude because Queen would have these faces of just disdain for me. Like she would look at me and her eyebrows and her, the the rage in her eyes, like I could feel that she just disapproved of me as a mother. <laughs> she was so angry. Um, and so I really tried to relate to the artist, you know, please try to capture in the first picture that, you know, that attitude of this little tiny pint little girl, you know, and I think mm -hmm. she did an excellent job. She did. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it just takes place in the home and it shows where Queen is, you know, first angry and the interaction she has with me and I'm trying to talk her down off the ledge and let her know there's nothing to be afraid of. And um, she gives specific of things, which I thought was really cool that she could, and she would say this to me, you know, these were the things that she's afraid of. I just kind of made it rhyme in the story. She would express what she was afraid of. Um, and then her and I, what I could send her is our journey of going up the stairs. Um, that was her and I going together. Now, it was not that easy in the story. I cleaned it up but, and realized it was really rough. But going upstairs to this magical land, um, she loves, uh, what, what are those, unicorns? She loves unicorns. So I had to put the unicorns in their stuffed animals. Um, and so we just go in, and I'm trying to coax her down, calm her down. 
And, and basically what I tell her is, you know, the moon and the sun, I mean, I'm sorry, the moon and the night, you know, those aren't things to be afraid of. They, they like you. They want to sing to you. Let's sing. And then, you know, the stars come out and, and it ends with the lullaby. So it's, um, it's, really clean story of what <laughs> really happened in real life. basically. Mm-hmm. And the artist captured, I think, um, kind of the outcome as well in the little last um, picture there where she's falling asleep and she has her eyes closed and yes. she, her face looks so peaceful. And then the little um, musical notes, like the little rainbow that's so precious. And then her little unicorn and teddy bear on the, on the ground there nearby. It's just so precious. And I love the lullaby. Yes. I actually um, listened to the lullaby on, I guess, your YouTube or something, uh, oh, like cool. a trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was so sweet. And so, and so, how old is she now? She is twelve. Oh, and so has she kind of outgrown her fear of sleep? She has. Um, I want to say now we had to make some adjustments. You know, part of that. You know preferring her above myself and what I wanted, I had to really make some adjustments. And one of those was allowing her to move into her brother's room, which I really, I, I didn't want to do that. It was, I don't, it, for me, it was just nerve wracking. And I have, I have this thing where everything is in its place and every place has a home. Mm-hmm. And all I could see is everybody's toys crisscrossing and clothes. And I was like, your clothes belong in this closet and your shoes in this closet. And, you know, I had to just let that go. And so moving her in with her brother uh, changed our world. You know, she just completely fell into that. Everybody's sleeping well because, you know, once she started school, the option of her not sleeping at night just wasn't there. You know, she needed mm-hmm. to get a full night's rest. Um, mm-hmm. So once we moved her into her brother's room, she was good. But just two months ago, she decided that she didn't want to be in a room with him anymore. She wanted her own space. So we moved her bed and all her things into a into her own room, and now she is very happy in her own space. You know because she can mentally handle it. She's mm-hmm. there now, but before, you know, even at eleven or ten, she just, you know, she couldn't handle it. And sometimes we have to accept that. You can't force them and bend them to do something they mentally cannot handle at the time. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. to just be uncomfortable. You know, as a parent. Yeah, I being creative. So she finally got to the point where she felt secure. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've had a few moments, but she will share, you know, she'll she'll wake up and she'll say, I had a nightmare. And I'll say, Well, let's talk about that. What went on? And I'll say, Well, you know, um that you don't have to put up with that. You can you can carve the outcome if you like, and you can always wake up and come and get me or yell and I'll come to you, you know. And Mm -hmm. she just she's got the tools now. To, to deal with those things. I love that. Well, before we wrap up, I, I'm just curious now because it seems like you and she both like really grew and really became secure. And I'm sure you have a really sweet and special bond. What's the most important thing that you feel like you've learned since becoming a mother? Um, I would definitely say slowing down. I think, I think when we hurry, I think, anybody, men or women, when you're rushing around, you are a lot grumpier. And I, and I, let's just be honest, when we're rushing, we're, we're mean, you know, I want to be on time. I get this done. I got a million things on my list. Um, there, there, that also can 
show signs of anxiety when you're rushing and you don't want to have confrontation with people or interact. You're just rushing to get through things. Um, what slowing down for me has done, it, it has shown me how to enjoy my life and enjoy my kids. And, and other things are just not this big, huge deal. You know, some of that stuff that was so important in my whole life, you know, just are not. You know, this in front of me, advocating for my daughter and my son to have better education, advocating for them to be treated well uh, in the public, um, making people aware that's what's important, laughing with them, you know, watching their little faces and, you know, quirky things that they do, joking with them. That is what's important. And when you slow down, there's just so much more you take in. And I think it just creates a healthier life. It it supports health and um, mental clarity for me because I'm not pushing myself to do everything in a very specific time. And it also keeps me um, on the hook because then I can see if I'm ha if I have bad behavior, you know, if I've been curt or rude with my kids, when I know that, you know, I needed to stop and be patient. That's absolutely been a, a game changer for me. Wow. I, I definitely think it's a very difficult thing to do, but once you get an eye opener definitely. like that, you know, I think you have the motivation to slow down. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that, um, I've actually experienced over the years, um, the more I see, you know, coming to the end of my uh, parenting gig, basically, you know, my youngest child is about to turn 12. As I, you know, near, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, I kind of want to slow things down so that I can actually enjoy it. And I think, wow, you know, this is the thing that we should have been doing all along is slowing down and yeah. enjoying that moment uh, before it's all gone. Yeah. So thank you for that sweet reminder. And I absolutely love this book. Listeners, if you're, okay. if you're just listening on, on the podcast, like you're just hearing the audio of this, you could go to the website, thatorganicmom.com and find this episode. So you can see um, maybe some illustrations or the video trailer of, of Tara's book. It's really adorable. So this book can be purchased where? On taraboyd.com, my website. Okay. Terraboy.com. Basically anywhere that books are, and then anywhere that books are sold. Perfect. I'll make sure to include the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Tara, for being here. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review so other people can learn about this podcast. Find out more about sleep, hygiene, eating healthy, tasty recipes, zero-waste lifestyle, and lots more on thatorganicmom.com. Help us spread the word. Be blessed and stay healthy.